0: Hey folks, welcome to another edition of the Shire Salvers podcast. Jack Clifton behind the mic to bring you all the information of what's happening at our Menai and Miranda locations. Hope you've had a wonderful weekend and hope you're ready for the start of another working week. Uh, And uh, yeah, everything is going well in your life and uh, really do hope the Shire Salvers podcast uh, can be an encouragement to you. We're going to round up all the latest uh, news of uh, different things that are happening around the life of our church. We're also going to play you the sermon From Sunday's church service, Sunday's most recent church service, where Karen Kingston continued the James Challenge with us. Looking forward to bringing that to you a little bit later on in the podcast. But let's uh, jump in right now to what uh, is making news around the Shire Salvos, Menai, and Miranda locations. So starting things off, just a reminder that our Sunday services are each and every week at 9.30am and we are doing the James Challenge and you can uh, join uh, the Shire Salvos uh, You Challenge um, or Version Challenge uh, there via the Bible app or you can uh, read along uh, in your hard copy uh, Bible. Uh, Also... Um, just something to be aware of uh, there is a newsletter announcement that from next week, Sunday, the 4th of September, uh, if you receive the Shia new le- newsletter, it's, uh, it's going to be moving from a weekly to a monthly newsletter. Um, it'll be emailed on the first Friday of every month. And uh, if you have any questions or queries about that, you can contact Joel Kim. Oh, sorry, Lang, who does a wonderful job in uh, in producing the newsletter each and every week, so obviously it's a little bit easier uh, to punch out uh, stuff monthly rather than than doing it weekly because uh, there is a lot on the plate of those uh, three people that we just spoke about. So it is going to move from a weekly uh, and transition to a monthly newsletter. Also, um, a little bit of movement in the Shire Salvo's team. Uh, th- uh, the week just gone, Michelle Wheatley started as the mission leader at the Menai Salvo store. So congratulations to, to Michelle there. It's great to have her uh, involved uh, with the Menai Salvo store and connecting with all of the people that, that, that go through there um, each and every day. And Kerry Anderson has taken on the role as operations coordinator uh, at Menai. So that will cover uh, the aspects of Michelle and, and also Catherine and Lynn's roles who have been great servants uh, for our church. So um Kerry actually joined the team today, Monday the 29th of August, so very, very excited to have Kerry on on team for the Shire Salvers organization. We all know she's going to do a marvelous job. There is a few things that are happening around the life of our church to get excited about. On Saturday the 17th or Sunday the 18th of September, we've got guests who's coming to dinner. Now, this is a great chance to, to get to know people and have a meal and engage in fellowship, much like we did with... At the Podluck Lunch, which happened yesterday afternoon, I, I remember going to a, a guest who was coming to get uh, guest coming to dinner when I first started at Shire Salvers, and it was a great way of getting to know people and um, yeah, just getting to see people outside of a church environment as well. Um, so there will be registration forms on Sundays, or you can do it online. Uh, if you've got any questions, you can contact Beck Kundasami, who's uh, involving uh, all of all of that. Um, but uh, you uh, you'll be either contacted by a host, or you can host yourself if you're you're you feel like you're you're yeah, that way inclined. Please, uh, please do contact Beck. The Boomers and Beyond uh, next outing is happening on Monday the 19th of September. They're going to Bundina. It's a ten fifteen start. to meet at the Cronulla Wharf. Uh, then the ferry then goes across to Bundina and then uh, leaves Bundina at 2pm. Uh, but uh, you will need to uh, uh, make a booking uh, because um, Robin is going to be booking for a lunch at the local RSL. So if you want more information, contact the church office and you can also uh, organise a chance to uh, book your place there uh, as well. Elsewhere, the um, uh, Young Adults, they went to the Golf Driving Range yesterday, but they've got some exciting events uh, coming up. You can contact Joel uh, if you're uh, you're keen for that. Uh, Deborah Robinson is going to be joining uh, the Young Adults Life Group on Monday, the 5th of September from 7.30 until 9pm. She's going to have an open discussion, about any curveball questions that are currently on your mind, uh, so please let Joel Campbell know if you're going to be coming to that. Uh, you also can submit your questions uh, online via... Uh, a link um, that uh, you can get sent to you by Joel um, or you can contact Joel again directly. But you need to do that by Friday the 2nd of September. And today is the last day that the Equip Youth Camps um, uh, registrations will be open. Uh, they close later this afternoon, uh, 25th of September to the 1st of October across at the Collaroy Centre. If you're interested in heading to the Equip Youth Camps Heard lots of great things about it. It's high school to 25 year olds. It costs $290. And uh, if you want to register directly, you can head to the website tinyurl.com forward slash equip youth 22. That's tinyurl.com forward slash equip youth 22. So that pretty much wraps up all the local news for us here on the Shire Salvos podcast. But up next, we've got uh, Karen Kingston bringing us the latest of the James Challenge here
1: on the Shire Salvos podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. Here we are in the middle of the James challenge, reading through James 1 to 5. That's all there is, five chapters in the book of James. Um, So, if you're going to take on the challenge of reading the Bible, there's a good place to start. And today we're talking about James 4, just those first 12 verses. You know, when I was a teenager, James was my favourite book in the Bible. What I really liked about it, apart from the fact that I only went for five chapters, what I really liked about it was that it it, it was this, it kind of gave these really clear, practical tips on how to live as a Christian, right? There's no guessing what, what James is talking about here. It's just really straight, right? Here's, here's what it is. And having grown up without any real understanding of Christianity or Jesus or faith, that wasn't my family history... I just found it so helpful to have kind of the, the shortcut notes. What were those things at school that you had to read? The, what was it? There you go. That's those. <laughs> I clearly didn't read those enough, but I got them in my Bible, right? So I just kind of thought, here's these kind of shortcut notes on how to live as a Christian. Because when I was a new Christian, I knew what I believed, but I didn't always know how I was supposed to behave, I got, I got the believe bit, okay, but I didn't know all the things Christians were supposed to do. So James was really helpful because it's just really clear. Here's what you do. And I really like the way that James just kind of cut through all that hard-to-understand stuff. He just tells it like it is, and then he focuses on the behaviours and outcomes. And I just found those shortcut notes really super helpful. So this morning, we're focusing on those first 12 verses of James 4. James 4. And this passage is really about the battle that rages within each of us when it comes to, you know, our desire to do the right thing by God and by other people. But we're up against our own selfishness and our own needs and our own desires. And those two things don't always match together. Well, I don't know if you've noticed that. It's hard to do both of those things. How do I do do what God wants me to do and treat people well and still get what I think I need? So there's this battle that kind of goes on within us. So, you know, we've just chosen a really simple passage to look at this morning that we're going to unpack in, like, 15 minutes. So lucky for us, James has made the complex seem, if not simple... At least understandable for us. So let's start by looking at ha- ha- by having a look at some of you know James's call it like it is how to practical steps for how as Christians we should be living but um, you know because I think it's really helpful to know how to live is it not you don't have to guess and then I want to go just a little bit further to some stuff that I've discovered as I've been you know praying through and reading through this passage over the last couple of weeks to share some of the insight that God gave me in that deeper complexity of what actually sits underneath. So, let's dive in and have a little look. Let me just read to you those first couple of verses again. Discovering that the Bible I used to use to preach out of, suddenly the the print got smaller. Don't know what's happening there. (laughs) I'll just look at it from my good eye. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you can't have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So I've read this passage pretty much every day for the last couple of weeks as I've been preparing for this and going, oh, how do I make sense of this, God? What would you want me to say? And I've been trying to be open to new truths and new ideas and what God might want to show me and, by default, you. And it's become this sort of riddle for me because you have to stop and really think, right, so what's causing us to fight each other? You want what you don't have so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. But then we hear that the reason you don't have what you want is because you don't ask God for it. But actually, even if you do ask God, sometimes you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. And, and you want only what's gonna give you pleasure. Okay, there's a lot in that. Just when you think you've grasped it, something else comes along and actually it's not working. So what is it that causes me to have conflict with others? Well, James is basically saying it's me. I'm the cause of the conflict. Either it's because I want things that for whatever reason I can't have, or I'm jealous of what others have, or I haven't asked God because instead I've been trying to run my own show and not rely on God. But then sometimes, I have asked God, but he won't give it to me because I've had the wrong motives when I ask. Are you kind of getting the round thing with me here? That's a tough set of issues to find our way through, isn't it? Because sometimes it's this, sometimes it's that, sometimes it's something else. It's like we're dealing with people here who are really complex. And we've all been there, have we not? In the big things and in the small things it's true that some people are moved to steal and lie and even kill to get what they want without regard for the cost of, to others. It's also true that there have been times in my life where I've bent the truth or I've manipulated the situation or I've said things that hurt others so I can get what I want or so I come out looking squeaky clean. And it's true that we live sometimes our lives without any regard for God I want to make my own plans and my choices that aren't in alignment necessarily with what God has required of me, either through my own ignorance or purely through disobedience. You know, I don't want to do what God has said and I will not surrender to him. How many of you have done that with your arms crossed? I will not. And then when it all goes bad and then I'm crying out to God, expecting him to fix this mess that I've made through my own disobedience. And it's also true that there are times when I do come to God and ask him for something that's actually completely selfish and all about me. You know, from the little stuff, God, I really need a car park here, and by the way, could my sporting team win, through to the kind of the bigger stuff, right? But it's all about me and not about God's kingdom. And then I'm surprised to discover that God won't simply do anything that I ask I've come to understand that if I'm praying that it doesn't rain on the way into work so that my hair doesn't get wet and I don't look terrible all day, there might actually be some farmers out there who are really desperate for the rain and maybe my prayer's a bit selfish, right? And God really probably shouldn't answer that prayer for me. And so the riddle plays out. So what situation am I in here? And how do I find my way through the the maze of my own self-interest, wrong choices and poor behaviours? Not to mention the maze of just working out God and what he wants for my life in any given situation. So thanks to James, he gives us some clues here in the middle of, of what is really going on for us and how we should be living. He says that what is playing out here is our basic self-focus. Or if I was going to use the Christian words for it, that we're not fully surrendered to God. We're still hanging on to being in charge of our own life. We're not willing to relinquish total control to God. And in doing so, we stop God from being able to act, to answer our prayers or to lead us. God's ability to direct and to protect our lives is directly dependent on our willingness to let him be in control. You see, I can't hang on to control and still expect God to work it all out. I can't make my own decisions, do my own things, and think, well, it's okay because God will just fix up the bits that didn't work out for me. Real faith and real peace comes only when I lo- no longer insist on getting my own way. I have to tell you, that's a really hard one for me. When I no longer insist on living out my own plans, who I want to marry, when I'm going to have kids, what career I'll have, what house I'm going to live in, what my rights are, what I need and what I want, it comes when I no longer resist God's plans for me, where I no longer fight God for control over me. When I'm surrendered and submitted to God and whatever he brings my way, knowing that he will lead me through it, doesn't always make it perfect he doesn't always you know make the edges nice and neat but he will lead me through it and here's the tough bit for me it's not that I don't want to be surrendered to God and to trust him in every situation I know that's the right thing to do and I know that's how it works out best it's not that I don't want that it's that the core of the issue here is my own selfishness Basically, I'm driven by what I want. And as much as I'd like to think that I want good things for other people, when push comes to shove, I'll choose me every time. And when I look even more deeply, I discover that I feel the same way about God. I want to obey him. I want to live right. But sometimes he asks me to do things that I don't want to do. So, again, I choose me. So I find myself trapped in this riddle. If I were keeping score, I'd like to say that on balance, after plenty of years of following God and trying to do the right thing, that mostly I get it right. That I've got kind of, you know, the big rocks sorted. But if I'm being honest, I know that there are still plenty of times when my focus on myself gets in the way. Try as I might, but at the end of the day, I'm still human and I'm trapped by my own riddle. It's a bit like that verse in Romans 7. It's Romans 7:15. 15. I love it and I hate it. It says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. I'm a mystery. Basically, he's saying that I know the right thing to do and I want to do it and yet, what I actually do is something completely different to that. Someone come and explain me to me, please. So, what's the solution? Well, I spend of my a lot of my you know not Monday to Friday working week taking complex um, concepts and complicated changes and boiling them down and distilling them into practical, actionable concepts that people can understand and actually do. And I find myself often saying to people that if you can make the complex seem really simple, you've got to have a pretty good grasp on the complex stuff, right? You can't make it seem simple until you've really done the work of digging into the deep, hard stuff. And once you've done that, you can bring it up to a level that's simple and understandable. And I think the book of James does a really good job of doing that. It takes the things that come from the mind of God that we can never fathom and it makes them practical and doable for the likes of us mere humans, for those of us who are trying to find our way through the maze of human existence. So as much as James has boiled those complex truths into clear teachings and practical behaviours and they're all there and they, you know, he gives the solutions of that's where you're trapped but here's what you've got to do about it, it's clear that he also understands the complexity of what's really going on and how God sees it. And I know this because in this short passage, as well as the riddle of my own behaviour, he also shines a light on what is really happening and on God's plan to overcome ourselves. What a relief that is. Because alongside the practical things like in verse 7, where he gives us the answers to the riddle, he says, Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And in verse 8, come near to God and he'll come near to you. And in verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord. Really powerful keys for how we turn it around. And right alongside all that genuinely helpful, practical advice, he also tells us what is needed to really solve the riddle and move us forward. In verse 6, he says, But he gives us more grace. See, the thing is, God knows that even though with him we can do the impossible, We can overcome ourselves and live with a heart surrendered to Jesus. At the end of the day, he also knows that we live in our humanity every day. And we're never going to get it right all the time. So the only answer to our imperfection is grace. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Tristan, wherever you are, said, thank you, Tristan, at the bit you didn't know you were being so amazing, a couple of weeks ago, as part of Tristan's welcome at church, on a Sunday morning, he said, do you know, church, we're not perfect and we're not trying to be. And I had to sit with that for a while. It's really stuck with me. We're not perfect and we're not trying to be. I think I've spent a lot of my life trying to be and putting my efforts into all the wrong things. And that's become a reminder to me that so often we strive to do the right thing, to have a right heart, to be all that God is calling us to be. But inevitably we fail somewhere along the line because we're human. And I've discovered this. Our journey is not about perfection, our journey is actually about learning to rely on God's grace. Our journey is not about perfection. It's about learning to rely on God's grace. That passage in James 4 really has two truths in it. First of all, we do need to position ourselves to live right, to recognise our selfish nature and with God's help to prefer God and others to ourselves, to know what are the right behaviours and actions and strive to do them. That's part one. We do need to position ourselves for that. But secondly he tells us that we need to position ourselves for grace because we're going to need it. When we get it wrong, which inevitably we all do from time to time, grace teaches us what to do about our failures. Because we know we're not perfect, we know that we're going to need to humble ourselves, as it says in verse 6 and 7, and draw on God's grace, to ask for God's forgiveness to humble ourselves before others and ask for their forgiveness and to correct what we can and then reposition ourselves again to get it right. It's a bit rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Aim for the best, know we're going to fail. When we fail, we rely on God's grace. Start back again, yeah? Because grace is the only way we're going to be able to proceed successfully. We're not perfect, and we're not actually trying to be. We'll always do our best to live right, and with God's help, we'll mostly get there. But when we fail, we know how to turn it around. We ask for God's grace and forgiveness. We ask for the forgiveness of others, and then we turn it around. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. God knew it would be an endless cycle. Well, I don't know about you, but I find that tremendously freeing. I don't have to be perfect. In fact, I don't even have to try to be. God has got this. I'll do the best I can with the help of God and his Holy Spirit. I'll do better than I can do on my own. And when I don't get it right, it's okay because there's a plan to fix it and a plan to fix me. Take a breath. How freeing is that? I don't have to be perfect. It's normal to fall short. And because I know how to call on God's grace when my humanity gets in the way of all I'm living for, it's going to turn out okay. I'm going to play a song. Um, and the band has done double duty today. So we're going to just, I'm just going to have it as a soundtrack. And I want to just give you some time just to sit before God. And this song's called, you've probably heard it before, it's called Your Grace Still Amazes Me. After all these years, after all the times where I've seen God show grace and forgiveness and create restoration, it's still amazing to me that God goes, yeah, I know you're going to fail, so I created grace. Yep, I know you're going to fail, created grace. Yep, there you go, failing again, it's okay, that's what I gave you grace for. So I want to give you just some time to just sit before God this morning. And and I don't know where you're at with this. Maybe this is a time for you just to stop and thank God for his grace, which is still amazing. Maybe this morning you find yourself in need of God's grace. And we always have a place of prayer open for you. This is a time where you can come and kneel and someone will pray with you. And maybe you need them to help you understand what God's grace is. And there's time for that. Maybe it's you sitting in your seat asking God for his grace or just helping him to show you what the next step is for you and teaching you how to live in his grace. So um, I think we'll just play that clip and, and it's over to you. Sit with God and use this time to ponder the amazing grace of God.
2: Your tender mercies lie. Standing in wonder once again your grace still amazes me your love is still a mystery each day is your grace. grace still amazes me. Your grace still amazes me. It's deeper, it's wider.
1: let's pray. God, I see those words up there, the James challenge, and it's a huge challenge to live the way you call us to live, to be the people that you call us to be. Thank you, God, that that you've also given us grace for the times when you know we don't measure up, for the times where we fail you and others and ourselves. Thank you, God, that you do call us to something greater than ourselves so that your Holy Spirit can help us and so that your name would be proclaimed. I thank you that you've given us this opportunity for relationship with you that doesn't rely on our own goodness and our own abilities, that you've generally give, generously given us the power of the Holy Spirit to make it possible for us to become more like you. But more than anything, God, I thank you that when we get it wrong, you give us your grace and you pick us up. You forgive us, you brush us off, and you set us up along the path to follow you again. Thank you, Jesus, that your plan includes us but doesn't rely just on us. Thank you for your grace that allows us to follow you, that allows us to be in relationship with you, and that allows us to proclaim the way that we all want to follow. Thank you, God, for your incredible gifts to us. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Really thought-provoking sermon from Karen this week. Uh, she has a great way of um, holding court with the audience and holding court with the uh, the, the people um, that are listening to her. And it was really great to have her bring us the word uh, this week in the James Challenge. And hopefully that was uh, something that uh, left you to, to ponder on something that maybe Karen spoke about or maybe something in the Bible passage, um, but yeah, it can be an encouragement uh, as well for you as you head out uh, into your daily tasks and, and head out to uh, to the working week. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Shire Salvers podcast. We'll have a brand new episode uh, next Monday afternoon, dropping at four PM. But until then, this is Jack Clifton signing off. God bless.